0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing.
1: If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, visit BetterHelp.com stuff today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash stuff. Hi friends, sugar is delicious and it is also uh, not very good for you. And we did an episode on sugar from June 12th, 2014. Sugar colon, it powers the earth. And it truly does. It's a lot to this one. We probably could have done a two-parter, but we shrunk it down into one episode as we try to do. And here we go with sugar right now.
0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
2: And welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck
1: Bryant. Howdy. Uh, Hi, Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. That's a, a. I was thinking about that earlier. The
2: Archie's? That was an Archie's song.
1: Oh, Sugar. Dun, oh, Honey, Honey. Dun, 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 uh. See, you call Pete, your girlfriend like a Sugar or a Honey or your wife or whatever, and that's, those are all sweet things. Yeah, it all makes sense. Do you hit your head? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't call uh, call your wife something bitter. Right.
2: You know? Like, um, like Korean melon?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of something bitter. I couldn't think of anything. Arugula? Come here, my little Korean melon. I bet someone said that. Who? I don't know. Someone Korean. No, in Korea, they just call them melons. Yeah, that's true. Man, this is the worst start ever. This is
2: the worst
1: <laughs> ever. I knew we would achieve it. We've been building toward it. Well, we top ourselves every episode, really. That's right.
2: Um, Chuck. Yes. Have you ever tasted sugar? I have. (laughs) I'm trying to bring it back from
1: the (laughs) brink. Yes, I have. I have too. Sugar is a big uh, popular sweetener these days. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Uh, And it's been
2: around for a while. I don't know if you know this or not, but apparently they think sugar is indigenous to the Island known as New Guinea in the South Pacific, yeah, around Polynesia, and um, that as long as 5,000 to 8,000 years ago, the Polynesians were cultivating it, yeah, and going like this is the jam,
1: yeah, sweet and yummy, and sweet gives us energy and makes us fat. <laughs>
2: Remember that Simpsons where that were. The, were I guess Bart grows up to be like a, a paid taste tester. Yeah, yeah. And like he drinks that soda and like <laughs> turns into like this horrible, huge disfigured thing and he goes, Sweet. And the guy with the clipboard goes, pleasing taste, some monsterism.
1: <laughs> you remember? I don't remember that. Oh, it's a great one. Was that the one where they it was their all of their future selves? No, it okay. was like just
2: a momentary daydream. Gotcha. And it it goes back to like his normal self and he's like Cool. Like he can't wait to grow up to be a professional taste tester. Awesome.
1: You know, the the table reading we set out on, that should be coming out. I can't wait. This year, right? It was a good
2: one. Yeah, it should be coming out. It's exciting. I, I'm excited. We can't say what it's about.
1: No. Be, we we don't a, know if we can. We're just covering. We're going to err on the side of caution because the last thing we want is for the Simpsons to be mad at us after all these years. For real. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So where are we? Sugar? Yeah, Polynesia. Polynesia.
2: So uh, I guess apparently island hopped from uh, New Guinea across Polynesia, made its way up to Indonesia, yeah, and then finally landed in India. And when it was in India, it
1: really started to spread. Everything spread from India back then. Trade routes. And thanks to the Crusades, it was brought to uh, Western Europe.
2: Well, even before that the persians started conquering the land yeah and they encountered sugar and brought that with them that's right
1: and then you got columbus that jerk brought sugar cane itself to the caribbean and said you know like some some root samplings and said let's try and plant this stuff here yeah and it turned out it was a great place to plant sugar cane
2: it really was because and it sugar boomed. cane is a uh, tropical plant yeah the cane you can't grow it any just anywhere no but you can grow it in places like South America, the Caribbean, yeah, South Southern Africa, States. Southern United States? Sure. Hot places, India, as we already mentioned, yeah. And it just kind of spread like wildfire across the world, especially yeah. once it came to what's known as the New World, like you said, via Columbus. Unfortunately, it also was and it became an agent of slavery.
1: Yes, uh, it certainly did. It fueled the slave trade for quite a while. Um, and then by 1750, there were 120 sugar refineries in Britain. They called it white gold. Yeah. And uh, it was up until that point, it had been kind of a luxury.
2: Well, a little before that, it be it became a little more widespread. It was a complete luxury. Like, literally, it was for royalty, pretty yeah. much. It was so rare and hard to come by. Um Apparently, the first inter—the first seaborne international sugar exchange—yeah, was between Venice and uh, England in yeah. thirteen nineteen. I saw that Venice was the first place where
1: they were like refining it really well.
2: Right, and the Venetians were—that was a merchant city, if there ever was one. Yeah, so they were selling it, and one of the places they sold it—the first place they sold it to overseas was england and it was in 1319 and they sold 50 tons for what's the equivalent of a, about 11 million dollars today
1: and that's tons with an nne i'm sure
2: so yes and right now you could get that for about twenty thousand dollars. Wow, it was 11 million dollars back then so it was very very expensive but then two things happened that opened the sugar industry and made it available to the general public uh the Reformation, yeah, which actually strangely led to a decrease in honey because monasteries were the major producers of honey. Yeah,
1: beekeepers. Monks kept
2: bees, and the Reformation led to a closure of a lot of monasteries. Yeah. And um, secondly, sugar just became more available. Like those two things happened at the same time, and all of a sudden it was something that the average person could get their hands on. That's right. And, and it, it was- actually led to a huge increase in tea consumption. Oh, yeah. Because before then, people drank tea, but once they started putting sugar in their tea, they were like,
1: we love tea. Right.
2: And that's when it became like the the national drink of uh, Great Britain.
1: Man, I love a, a a good English tea with a little cream and a little sugar in it. Yeah. Just delicious.
2: You a tea guy? I like the herby kind more.
1: No, I like it all, man. I love green tea. I love uh, English breakfast tea. I love black tea. Mm-hmm. I'll even do a little, I'll chy it up every now and then. Oh, wow. I'm I'm into all of it.
2: That's a wild sidewalk right
1: there. (laughs) Uh, And from about 1792 to 1815, there was a lot of warring going on in Europe, and there were naval blockades by Britain that uh, basically Europe needed that sugar fix, and they were like, but you can't cut us off. We love sugar now. Come on, man. And so in 1747, they realized that the sugar beet, which is... The other way you can get sugar was a great way to do it, and that's how they get their sugar today still, yeah, and the beet is um looks like a beet that's not purple, it's a root right, and it grows up out of the ground, looks like a little uh just sort of whitish light brown it looks like a turnip yeah, sort of like a turnip, but it's sweet it is about seventeen percent of the sugar beet is uh can eventually become sugar as opposed to only about 10% in the cane. Right. Which I thought was unusual.
2: Yeah. So you have these two plants that can be processed separately, independently, and both will produce a sugar indistinguishable to the average person. Yeah. Cane pretty, or beet. Pretty it. neat. Pretty neat. And the reason why, Chuck, the reason why, that, why it would be indistinguishable is because all plants have sugar.
1: That's right. Uh, it's a carbohydrate, a simple carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. And um, sugar is a, Part of photosynthesis, but you can't go out and get, you know, a blade of switchgrass and get enough sugar out of it to make sugar. Right. Even though there's sugar in it, it's only abundant enough in the beet and the cane to really produce sugar, sugar.
2: Exactly. But sugar is kind of this, um, it, it's it's a molecule that powers the earth. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Like Humans, uh, plants. Everything gets... Can, is powered by sugar. It's pretty neat.
1: It is pretty neat. Uh, it is uh, also as a... You can be use it as a preservative. Um, it prevents bacteria from growing in jam. Um, sometimes you can change the texture. They use it as like a food additive to make something uh, look and feel different, not mm-hmm. only just taste different.
2: They're like, this doesn't put fuzzy little jackets on people's <laughs> teeth when they eat it enough, so let's add
1: some sugar. And our favorite use of sugar is... To make booze. It accelerates fermentation. And um, um, My favorite uses
2: of sugar are to make booze and to make Reese's Pieces. Okay. <laughs> Let's not leave
1: that out. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, an important part of the production of uh, alcohol. And Reese's Pieces. And Reese's Pieces, and it does make the world go round. Um,
2: and the world actually produces quite a bit of sugar. So in this article from a few years ago, it says that... Um, the world made about 78 million tons. That's 71 metric tons uh, of sugarcane annually.
1: Is that accurate still, do you know?
2: Well, that's just sugarcane. But I know that sugarcane accounts for 80% of sugar production. 80%? About. Okay. And then sugar beets account for about 20%, the other sure. 20%. Um, but in, I think, 2013... The world produced 165 million metric tons Whoa. of sugar.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I guess you'd have to be a mathematician to figure out <laughs> that formula. But
2: Plus, you'd probably have to have more info than we just gave.
1: Yeah. Uh, the cane, sugar cane, looks sort of like bamboo. The, the stalk does. Uh, it's a tropical grass, so the top of it looks grassy. And, and it takes about a year to grow. It takes about 18 months from planting. Right. But once it's planted... You know, you cut it back to the root, and it'll take another 12 months for that to grow back up uh, to be harvested again.
2: Right. So what's the 18 months thing, then?
1: The 18 months is if you plant it brand new. Oh,
2: gotcha. Okay.
1: Like from from seed, I guess. I see. And Um, it grows
2: in breaks. They call them cane breaks, which I always think is, like, one of the neater, like, earth science terms. Cane breaks? Cane break.
1: Yeah. Uh, It is (laughs) uh, grown in. Not always um, refined near where it's grown, but it is harvested and, uh, and processed initially close to where it's grown so it doesn't rot, sort of like, like when we did coffee. Yeah. You, you, know, you want to do most of that stuff near where it's grown. Right.
2: And there are some steps you have to take to harvest sugar, at least to even get it to the, to the raw state. But, yeah, not every processing place refines it all the way to what we would call... Table sugar, yeah. Sometimes it's sent to a refinery.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I guess we can cover that in broad strokes here, but it, I mean, it's pretty complicated. Yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for the end-all be-all of how sugar is produced, mm-hmm. then go watch an hour-long video on YouTube.
2: What was it? Uh oh, remember how how um, incredibly complex chocolate making is? Remember yeah. conking?
1: Oh yeah. Jeez. I love all these. These are some of my favorite ones: salt, yeah. sugar, coffee, commodities. Yeah. The commodity suite. We got to do tea. We haven't done tea.
2: Okay. And wine. We still haven't done wine yet.
1: Yeah. That one, that just bugs me. We, that we got a great
2: offer from a nice guy. I don't have his name in my memory, but I have his email in the save folder. Yeah. And he was like, You need some help with this stuff? I've got experts who yeah. are ready to talk to you about wine.
1: That could, that should be a sweet. That's a dense, dense topic. All right. So, sugar beets. Let's talk about that in the process. Okay. Um, Usually they're going to extract over the winter months between September and February. And as we said earlier, sugar beet is about 17% sugar. Yeah. So not too bad. Bang for your buck wise. (laughs) Right. You know? I mean, considering the cane is only 10%.
2: Yeah. I mean, you could pick it up and eat it and be like, this is pretty sweet. Oh, yeah? I guess 17%. If you're in Russia, you could. Yeah, that's
1: true. That's their racist Pieces. (laughs) Sugar beets. Are you
2: going to start an international incident? No. Things are
1: tense right now, you know. Yeah, between
2: us and... uh, And Russia. Yeah. It's like 1977 again. Well, they're kicking us out of the space station. I know. Star Wars just came out.
1: (laughs) Uh, So if you're going to process sugar beets, you're going to slice it, and you're going to put it in hot water, and you're going to boil it. And it's similar to sugar cane. They're going to make a sugary juice. Then they're going to filter it, purify it, concentrate it, Isolate those sugars, and eventually you're going to get sugar crystals developing, because you send that syrupy juice through what's called a centrifuge, and that's going to separate the crystal from what is known as the mother liquor. Whatever is left <laughs> which is one of my favorite terms now, yeah. when whatever's left over that's not crystal is mother liquor, like byproducts in the original juice. And apparently that can be uh, extracted a few times. I would guess so. To get all the crystals out of it. Yeah. And I think sometimes they need to add a little sugar dust to spur that crystallization. Wow, that sounds like a magical process.
2: <laughs> there's is. mother liquor, there's uh, sugar dust. And actually, now that you bring up sugar dust, you know, do you remember down in uh, Savannah in like 2007, 2008, that sugar refinery that exploded? Oh, yeah. It was sugar that exploded. Oh, but dust sh- in the air? Yeah, sugar dust is particulate matter. Yeah. And when it gets into the air, it can catch fire and explode. That's crazy. And it did. It blew that place sky high. Yeah. When was that? Uh, I wrote about it when I got here, so oh, yeah. I would guess like 2007 or 2008.
1: What was the article? Like, how can sugar explode? I think I remember seeing that. Yeah. We should have touched on that, or I guess we I just, just did. just did. <laughs>
2: But, I mean, like, you should go back and check out that now that you realize that it was just sugar yeah, that blew the place up, it, it formed a crater, basically. It just blew the whole refinery up. I knew up. flour could do that, too, right? Same principle. Yeah. Any particulate matter can do that, I think. Man, that's nutty.
1: Yeah. Um, all right, so sugar cane, it's a very similar process. They're going to pulverize the stalk, um, add water and lime, and that's going to be your syrupy sweet juice. And not lime, Like limestone. Yeah. Not like squeeze uh, limes into it. I had to double check. No, you're right. Because it's tropical, you know? Exactly. Uh, And they're also going to run that through the centrifuge, and you're going to get your mother liquor and your crystals. (laughs) And that is also going to be washed and filtered and refined further until you get your sugary white goodness. Yeah. You know, evaporation's going on. it's, it's, It's one of those things that sounds complicated, but it's actually pretty simple. It's the same as when you're... Like making a simple syrup at home, or you're boiling sugar and water, mm-hmm. it evaporates off, and you're going to end up with something super sweet. Yeah.
2: So, Chuck, there are byproducts to this whole process. Yeah. Essentially, molasses is chief among them. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, it's a byproduct that comes from boiling sugar, right?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's basically the uh, yeah it's 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 the Dark, like that, that's what makes brown sugar dark or sugar in the raw dark is molasses.
2: Right. The molasses isn't extracted as much as it is uh, with refined white sugar. Yeah. Refined white sugar has zero molasses in it. Like sugar in the raw has more and more. Yeah. So it's less refined. Um, And then the greatest byproduct of molasses is, of course, rum.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I put a little molasses in my, uh, when I make my own barbecue sauce. Oh, yeah. It's good. Yeah, that's nice. Um, another uh, byproduct is called bagasse, and that is um, the pulp, essentially, of the cane. Are you making these words up? No, those are real words. Okay. What mother liquor and bagasse? Bagasse. We, I think, another process we studied. Yeah. It's not. It's not central just to sugar. It's uh, just the pulpy, fibrous matter left over from this kind of process.
2: I wonder what we talked about that in.
1: Was it? Was it coffee? No. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, but the bagasse is used. Is it bagasse? Because I think I remember us discussing whether it was bagasse or bagas. <laughs> it's bagasse. I listened to it today. Okay. Um, yeah, we definitely covered that before. I'm starting to feel like an old man because when you when we have 700 topics or so. It, oh yeah, like Things I literally
2: vaguely familiar, but you yeah. don't want to sound dumb, so you don't say anything, and then you just spend the next week in your head going over this. <laughs>
1: I'm telling you, one day we are going to re record a show and not realize it. Man. And we're going to hear about it.
2: <laughs> well, what was it? It was Crystal Skulls.
1: Yeah, well, we never released that
2: one. Right. But remember, I was like, I thought for sure we recorded this. Yeah. No, Dreams. That's oh, yeah, what it yeah. was. We went to record Dreams and we just were, it, 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 we, it just wasn't there.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, Begass, we definitely talked about. <laughs> And but gas is a great byproduct because that can be used to power the sugar uh, refinery. They actually burn that as fuel uh, to create the steam used to power some of these machines. So that is one way that sugar production can be green. Um, however, mass production of anything like this isn't super green because right. they're transporting stuff over large distances and there's clear cutting of land. Well, and that's a big one with... With sugar. Yeah, deforestation, like in the Amazon, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so uh, even though they're using things like bagasse as a byproduct <laughs> to help power, why is that funny to you?
2: <laughs> because I always hear bagasse in my head. Oh, okay. Anytime you say it.
1: But it is not a looked upon as one of the more green uh, products that is used and produced.
2: No. No. Like, they have to use baby lambs to really refine it to its whitest. That's so not true. <laughs> well, they, well, it uses their souls, at least, I guess, if you want to get technical.
1: The souls of baby lambs. Yeah.
2: And then they're just left to wander the earth for the rest of their natural <laughs> lives, like, not feeling anything. That's so sad. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible.
1: That's right. It's even in the name. Use code STUFF20 at checkout to receive $20 off your first month. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included.
2: Yep, again use promo code STUFF20 and you'll receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, and you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Switch now at visible.com.
1: For data management practices and additional terms visit visible.com. The visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
2: So, there's a lot of types of sugar. There are. Um, when you think about sugar, uh, especially here in the West, you think, oh, that really white, like really pretty, powdery, granular stuff. Yeah. And that's called table sugar. And that's what's known as sucrose. That's right. And sucrose is 50 50 glucose and fructose. Yes. Sucrose also apparently occurs naturally. But there's a lot of different types of sugar that you're going to find in plants. Uh, and from some animals, too, oh yeah, yeah, so cow's milk, sure, ha- contains lactose and galactose, yes, uh, both of which are sugars, yeah, um sucrose again, that 's typically table sugar, but I believe you can find that in plants,
1: yep, and that's glucose and fructose, like you said, yeah, and it 's fifty fifty, even
2: one molecule glucose, mm-hmm. one molecule fructose, put them together, you got sucrose that 's right. Fructose is commonly found in fruits. Yeah. Uh, it's also found in honey, fructose is. Yeah. <clears throat> and then um, glucose, this is the one you commonly think of when you think the body and sugar. Because glucose is what the body runs on, and we'll talk about that a little more in depth in a little bit.
1: Yeah, and that's in honey and fruits and veggies. Yep. Uh, and then something called xylose, which I'd never heard of, that's in wood and straw. Pretty interesting.
2: Yeah, there's a sugar alcohol called xylitol. Oh, yeah. That's very sweet. Yeah, there's sugar alcohols, and they supposedly um, circumvent your blood sugar, your normal metabolic blood sugar process. Uh-huh. So they taste sweet, but they don't have any impact on your blood sugar. Huh. And I, one of them's called xylitol.
1: Xylitol? And that's yeah. the name of the product?
2: Yeah, there's a uh, Danish or Swedish gum. That's like the best sugar-free gum you can possibly get your hands on. It's called xylitol. That's it's so good. Terrible name, though. It is, but it's named after the sugar. Right. Which apparently is based on... I guess it's probably wood sugar alcohol. Wow. Yeah.
1: It's pretty creative. I didn't... I'm just recounting here, so... No, I know. I no, didn't know you did. Oh, you finish. weren't complimenting me? <laughs> no. I uh, uh, sugar comes in different uh, granulations and... From icing sugar, which is, if you've ever heard of confectioner's sugar, that you uh, daintily sprinkle on top of your, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's it called? What did you get at the fair? Your funnel cake? Yeah, right. <laughs> Those are so good. <laughs> they are. I haven't had one in years, though. Yeah, they're good. I never, like, I, got to, I don't indulge in that stuff.
2: Man, what, what is going on, Chuck?
1: Well, you know, I'm I'm overweight, and, like, it's, there's just, like, you don't want to be the overweight guy walking up to the funnel cake stand. <laughs> You know, Well, that's why you sneak around the back. Yeah, hey, you get someone else to go get it, and you eat it in the alley. <laughs> <laughs> Cry. <laughs> I've never done that. No, I, I avoid that stuff. Ice cream is my big downfall.
2: Oh, what's your ice cream? What's your favorite?
1: Um, well, Ben and Jerry's. Sure. Like, But which one? Yeah. Chubby Hubby. Oh, that's a good one. Ironically.
2: Yeah. Um, I got to tell you, have you had Bluebell? Yeah. Okay. Bluebell's like the third... Best selling ice cream brand. It tastes just in like the, the country. Good old days. But you can only get it in like seven states. Oh, really? That's how good it is. Oh, wow. And um, they have a banana pudding flavor that is, if you're in Nevada, And you can't, the closest you can get it is in Mississippi. It's (laughs) worth driving there for. And it's like eight bucks for like a gallon or a half gallon. It's ridiculously expensive, but it is so good. All of their flavors are good, but their banana pudding one is like, it's just, I'm about to cry.
1: Yeah. Yeah, their um, their radio commercials. Are, have you heard those? The songs? They're horrible. Oh, it's the funniest stuff you've ever heard. The TV version of it is even worse. Yeah, it seems like a joke. Like, are they serious or is this campy?
2: Oh, they're serious. Yeah, it's like uh, an eighty-five-year-old like Baptist preacher is in yeah. charge of like their ads.
1: <laughs> it's, it is. It's campy. It's so, it's it. it and they don't mean it to. It be. is for those of you who don't know the songs. It's literally like you know. Mama's baking the apple pie and putting it in the windowsill and like the picket fence is outside and we're eating bluebell ice cream because it tastes like the good old days. Right. It's really funny. It
2: rhymes more than that, but that's yeah. the gist of it.
1: <laughs> I'm sure it's on YouTube. Just type
2: bluebell ice cream man.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. Um man, that was a nice sidetrack. Mm-hmm. So then you got castor sugar, which is uh, larger than powdered sugar, but smaller than granulated sugar.
2: Yeah, which I didn't know about until like a couple months ago. I don't remember what recipe it was, but there was a recipe that Yumi was making that like called for castor sugar. And she was
1: like, what? Yeah, both of us were. Yeah, you, apparently you can make it. if Like with the coffee grinder, you can grind your regular sugar. Yes,
2: she came across that. I think yeah. we finally found her. She ordered it online or something like that. But
1: Was she making a meringue? Because uh, they, they're used a lot in meringues, evidently.
2: I don't remember. Maybe. I don't remember. Did she make you banana meringue. pudding? <laughs> what did she need that for? No? I'll, I'll figure it out on my own time and let everybody know in the next episode. How about that? Rather Sounds than good. all of us sitting here until I remember what the <laughs> recipe was. And then I pick up the phone and call her and ask. Right. That's good radio, my friend.
1: Yep. Uh, then you have your granulated sugar, and this is your table sugar. And then you've got preserving sugar, which looks sort of like... Sort of rock salty, it's chunkier, or like sea salt. Right. Of course, sea salt. It's sweeter than sea salt, though. And that's used to preserve. Yes, yeah, much sweeter. Uh, yeah,
2: because that's another property of sugar is it's a preservative yeah. as well. Um, you, you can uh, throw it into some jam if you want and make mm-hmm. it extra sweet, mm-hmm. but it'll also keep the bacteria away at bay. That's right. Which is why, uh, like you said, simple syrup can last for so long.
1: Yeah. You can just make that and put it on your bar at room temperature, right? Yeah. Like in a bottle. I keep it in the
2: fridge, but yeah.
1: You keep it on hand? Mm hmm. Make it yourself?
2: Yeah.
1: Awesome. It's very easy. Plus,
2: also, if you like toss some lavender in there, yeah. you got lavender simple syrup, which goes with anything with gin in it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, you can put in some like uh, allspice and some anise seed and stuff like that. You ever use lemon nice. verbena? No, but I have made lemon. Like just from the um, the the
1: peel. Oh, yeah. Well, lemon verbena is uh, like just the green leaf. Mm-hmm. We grow a lot of that in the herb garden. And If you smash it up, it smells so good. Nice. Like I imagine it would be good muddled in a drink yes. if I was into that. Oh, you're not? You know that. I'm not into the cocktails. I thought you were. No, oh, no, whiskey over ice. That's yeah, but well, you can jazz it up a little bit here or there. No, not me. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I guess we should talk a little bit about high fructose corn syrup. Uh, we did a whole show on it. Yeah. Which you can go back and listen to. But it bears mentioning here because there's a lot of – it gets a bad rap. um, And the evidence is sort of inconclusive right now. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think what we determined is it's not necessarily any worse for you than sugar, but it's in a lot more stuff, and you may not know it.
2: I don't remember what we concluded. What My understanding is at this point – and that was from 2009. Yeah. um, There's a really great article on the New York Times called, Is Sugar Toxic? It's very long, yeah. but it's very in-depth, and it really goes into the, um, the, the, the evidence that's out there that it really is. What are the highlights? Well, like you said, high-fructose corn syrup isn't molecularly different very much from sucrose, which is 50-50 sugar. Yeah. Most high-fructose corn syrup, or the stuff that's most widely used, is like 55-45 fructose to glucose. Right. Okay? So that 5% difference um, in fructose shouldn't make much difference, yeah. but apparently it does. The other aspect of high fructose corn syrup is that that extra fructose or all that 55% fructose, that is processed in the liver. Any cell in your body can process glucose. Right. When you eat something that has glucose in it, it, your pancreas releases insulin. And insulin goes, hey, open up cells, yeah. and the glucose goes in, and it's converted. Its biochemical energy is converted to ATP, and then you have this packet of energy that can be used by any cell. Yeah, any cell can do that, which means your entire body can metabolize glucose. Fructose has to be broken down into glucose, right? And that's done in the liver, right? Now, the liver has some options to it, Chuck. When it's presented with fructose, mm-hmm. it can. Use it for energy. Yeah. It can convert it into fats in the bloodstream, which are called triglycerides. Yeah. Or it can convert it into fat stores. Fat. Yeah. Right? That's if
1: you have too much of it, right?
2: Yeah. Now, with high fructose corn syrup, apparently evidence shows that when it hits the liver, it's just automatically converted to fat. Yeah. And that the speed with which it's metabolized also has an effect on how much or how frequently it's converted to fat. And with high fructose corn syrup, it's syrup. And syrup apparently hits the liver a lot faster than, say, an equal amount of apples that you're getting fructose from. Gotcha. So it's being converted to fat, like, automatically. Okay. That's why they think that high fructose corn syrup is actually far worse from you than just regular fructose or even sucrose. Table sugar,
1: right? Well, the the obesity epidemic has sort of matched year to year with the introduction of high fructose corn syrup. Yeah, uh, as far as increase, um, so that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I read an article today that said that added sugars overall is the problem, whether it's high fructose corn syrup or regular added sugar. Well, that's just added kinda, sugars in a product. That's the
2: USDA's line and the USDA doesn't want to upset the sugar industry or the Corn right. Refiners Association. So that's kind of become the predominant government line. Like, yeah, everybody's eating too much sugar. That's the problem. Right. Well, then there's a whole group of people out there who are saying, like, no, it's, it's yeah, sure, that's a problem. Right. But this is a, an even bigger problem with high fructose corn syrup. Yeah, that makes sense. That it's different, and it's affecting people differently. Right. And it's not the same as sugar.
1: Well, I think a lot of people think we're ingesting too much corn-based products, period. Sure. We need to do GMOs at some point, too. You know? Yeah. Everyone keeps calling for it. Some guy sent us a book on it. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you read it? No, I haven't read it yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Apparently, 16% of Americans' calories come from added sugars, which is just like totally empty calories.
2: So... Again, there's a, there's a big dis- there's an argument over those numbers. Yeah, sure. No one really knows, but supposedly the numbers are very are artificially low, um, and that the average American eats about ninety five pounds of sugar a year. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. And the global average is something like um, sixty six pounds, but Israel eats something like one hundred and forty five pounds. Really. Per person, per year. wonder what that's from. Uh, Sweets. Yeah? they eat a lot of sugar. (laughs) Packaged foods?
1: Yeah. Um, Are we done with HFCS then? For now? Yeah. I go back and listen to that episode. It was a good one. One of my favorites. Yeah. It's been a while. I meant to re-listen to that, but I didn't get a chance.
2: If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible.
1: That's right. It's even in the name. Use code STUFF20 at checkout to receive $20 off your first month. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included.
2: Yep. Again, use promo code STUFF20 and you'll receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Save on wireless with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Switch now at Visible.com.
1: For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
2: With Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull.
1: Um, so sugar in the body, we've, and this also harkens back to our episode on taste. It, uh, corresponds molecularly, uh, on your, with your taste buds on the tongue because of the shape of the molecule. Mm-hmm. We talked about that. The molecules are shaped to fit, you know, when sugar hits it, it matches up perfectly with that molecule and sends a message that said, Hey, there's something sweet as opposed to salty or bitter or, uh, sour mm. or umami. The fifth. Right. This says four and then names five, which I thought was <laughs> – I, I even changed it on my sheet. Um, and they recommend something uh, that I do not recommend, mm-hmm. which is uh, if something tastes sweet in the wild, mm. it's more likely to be safe to eat than something bitter. Right. It's sort of true, but you should never, ever go and, and like in a survival scenario and just try and eat something, yeah. even a little bit. Um, there's a test you can do, which – I won't get into, but it involves like rubbing on your skin first, Mm -hmm. waiting a certain amount of time, Mm -hmm. then maybe touching it to your tongue, waiting a certain amount of time. You should never just go like, I wonder if this is edible. Let me taste it. (laughs) Right. It's not a good idea. Good going. Even if it is sweet. You're a survivalist. Uh, I know some things.
2: So, you know, we said uh, (laughs) sugar is found in all plants, Uh just to varying degrees, Um, and plants... Create sugar as a byproduct of photosynthesis, and they use it for energy for growth. They also use it to—they uh, take sugars and turn them into more complex sugars. Yeah. To use for like um, cellular structure, like cellulose. Um, but they also use sugar in their nectar to attract uh, bees and other things to help them pollinate. Yeah. And and propagate
1: their species because it's sweet stuff. Yeah. I love it when I see the little bee getting in there, getting a little something sweet. Yeah. I feel like they're getting a little treat. (laughs) You know?
2: That's right. And then they're vomiting it up, and we eat it as honey.
1: (laughs) That is true. Uh, Sugar is bad for your teeth. Everyone knows that. Um, Specifically, when you eat sugar, it's going to form something called a glycoprotein, that little sweater on your teeth. Mm -hmm. And bacteria love to eat that stuff. Yeah. And then they love to poop out uh, lactic acid afterward onto your teeth
2: yes specifically streptococcus mutans that's the culprit for cavities really Mm -hmm.
1: we've said streptococcus before that's not a good word
2: no but there's different kinds of strep
1: okay um but when they poop out that lactic acid that's what's on your enamel that's what's going to wear down your teeth right so eating sugary stuff really is bad for your teeth that's not like something your mom tells you that's a lie
2: no and the bacteria also provide or produces a biofilm around all of this stuff, which traps it in there and traps in the lactic acid as well. Ugh. So you're in trouble. Yeah. You're dead. <laughs> Not dead, but you may get diabetes. Yeah, you can get diabetes um, from too much sugar. That, that apparently is... Um, it's crazy that there's a, a real parallel between the, se- the six-country study and the seven-country study that we talked about in the paleo diet episode of oh, yeah. fats. Apparently, there was a rival all along that said N- it's not fat it's sugar like we're both after the same problem but this guy went after fats this other guy went after sugar and now they're starting to think like now that they're thinking it's not fats after all that contributed to like heart disease and obesity that they think is actually sugar Yeah, and the, re- the way that it's sugar is Through something called metabolic syndrome Uh to where if you eat too much sugar, your body becomes resistant to insulin. And remember, insulin gets glucose out of the bloodstream and into your cells and is converted to energy. Right. Well, if your body starts sucking at doing that, then you have a lot more glucose in your bloodstream, which means your pancreas is producing more and more insulin. Right. Insulin, remember, triggers fat storage. Yeah. So you have more and more insulin. You have more and more fat storage. You have obesity. You have heart disease. And they think that possibly the number one contributor to heart attacks is metabolic syndrome.
1: And not necessarily saturated fats.
2: Right. Interesting.
1: But uh,
2: as a result of this, a side result is insulin. You develop or you, uh, diabetes. Yeah. Type two diabetes is the result of insulin resistance, where you have to inject insulin into your body because your body right. is not producing enough any longer because it's overtaxed, your pancreas is.
1: Yeah, we got a lot of great responses from the paleo episode.
2: It was a really interesting one. Yeah,
1: and people saying, like, dudes, we know so little still about nutrition. Right. And things are changing so much uh, with the things we eat and put in our body that it's hard to keep up.
2: Which is why it's so insulting when some industry that has a vested interest in... Yeah, say so they got it all figured out. Yeah, and don't worry about it. Just keep eating it, you yeah. know? That's, that's insulting. Uh, all right. Can sugar power your car? Yes. How? I'll explain. <laughs> there's a couple of ways. Um, so there's sugar-based ethanol, which Brazil was basically running on for many years. Yeah, I didn't realize that. They're yeah. big into flex fuels and uh, ethanol. They were basically energy independent in the first decade of the, the 21st century because they said, we're tired of being dependent on foreign oil. Yeah. Let's figure something out. And they did. They That's put all make, their that stock That makes a lot into, of sense. They, yeah, they, they started looking into sugar cane, making ethanol from sugar cane. And, you know, there's like corn-based ethanol, which— um, Right. Chris Paulette and I talked about in the Grasoline episode. Yeah, I remember that. And apparently, sh- ethanol made from sugarcane has 800 times more energy output. Yeah. And so they were making ethanol it in, in 2008, 50% of the fuel sold in Brazil was ethanol. That's awesome. F- made from sugarcane right there in the country. Well, then gas prices lowered and um, people started using gas again because they'll use whatever's cheapest. Right. But Brazil, even though it's on its heels, the ethanol industry there is, they proved it's a completely viable alternative fuel.
1: Yeah. The problem, though, again, with um, refining more and more sugar for these purposes is deforestation yep. and uh, <clears throat> worker wages. And I feel like any time we've covered any commodity like this, there's some worker somewhere in the world getting screwed over. Right. Uh, and sugar is definitely not any stranger to that process.
2: Well, also, it drives up food prices, too. Yeah. Um, because if if there's two different huge sectors competing for the same commodity, like it's going to drive the price of that commodity up. Yeah, that's true. So if you have energy and food right. going after sugar, the price of sugar goes up. Right.
1: I wish people could have seen that demonstration. It really <laughs> brings it home. Uh, and what else is the other? I, I remember I think we talked about this too, uh, sugar devouring microorganisms. Yeah. Um, basically feeding on sugar and— making energy in the process? Yeah. That's a like viable way in the future maybe to power things?
2: Yeah, so there's a certain, certain types of microbes are more sugar-hungry than others. Yeah. But, yeah, when they're eating sugar, they manage to separate electrons and loosen, loosen electrons. And as the electrons flow, as we mentioned in our electricity episode, the flow of electrons is electricity. So if you direct that flow... Across, like some something that can use it, you create a current. Yeah, and the cool thing about uh, microbial fuel, fuel cells is, when that electron makes it to the other side, it um, combines to form water. So that's the byproduct right. of this. So it it truly is a very um, yeah. environmentally friendly alternative fuel. Yeah, we did. Uh, we covered that at some point too. I remember.
1: I'm surely. It's our world is getting smaller. Yeah. Because we're explaining it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, You got anything else? No, I don't think so. Mother liquor, bagasse. (laughs) All these words I made up just for this show. You did good with the making up the words, man. Thanks.
2: Yeah, I don't have anything else, Chuck. Um, But if you want to learn more about sugar, I'm sure there's some words we left out of this article. You can type sugar into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And, uh... Since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail.
1: Uh, I'm going to call this refuting listener mail. We read a listener mail from a creationist not too long ago. Man, that got a certain response from some quarters. Yeah, so then a lot of people write in responding to that listener mail. So we might just continue this for the next year, just reading rebuttals. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Hey, guys, you received an email from a creationist explaining that both creationists and scientists believe in natural selection— And that both groups believe in microevolution but disagree on macroevolution. What the person did not mention is that macro and microevolution describe the same process of natural selection just on different timetables. Micro is short-term, macro is long-term. It simply does not make sense that natural selection works on the short-term but is somehow reversed on the long-term. Natural selection introduces changes to a population subgroup as they adapt to their environment. If the changes are small, the population subgroup can naturally breed with the original population, that is microevolution. Once the changes are significant enough that the subgroup can no longer naturally and successfully breed with the parent population, the subgroup is considered a new species. That's a special event. That is macroevolution. To believe in micro and not macro is to ignore how nature works. Uh, Say you put two separate populations of the same species put in very different environments, each population would slowly adapt to its new environment and change over time, Microevolution. Each group will become better adapted to its new environment, and the differences between the two groups will only grow in time. Uh, however, if you don't believe in macroevolution, you don't believe in new species. So you have to believe that no matter how different each group becomes, nature does not work like this. Uh, also, the previous writer claimed to be a creationist botanist, and that is like a doctor that does not believe in germ theory. I'm sure they might exist, but I would definitely take their expertise with a large dose of salt. Quite a rebuttal. Yeah, and I didn't have a name. I feel bad, so I'm just going to say thanks, you. (laughs) Thanks, Richard Dawkins. Yeah. Appreciate that. So the
2: uh, evolutionists have rebutted. What say you creationists? Let us know. (laughs) And everybody, stop tweeting and, and sending emails about how dare we... Put a creationist's views on in listener mail. Yeah, like, yeah, we. Yeah, it's we no way to that. go through life trying to silence your opponents. You, yeah, you debate
1: and engage. I was surprised there were a lot of people that said you shouldn't give equal time to this stuff because it's just not true.
2: Yeah, somebody said, um, "I I thought Discovery stood for something."
1: Interesting. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I think uh, debate is healthy and they think you're not right either so like you know
2: yep debate is healthy chuck exactly um if not bill nye wouldn't have done it boom <laughs> if you want to contribute to the debate we want to hear from you you can tweet to us at sysk podcast you can join us on facebook.com slash stuff you should know send us an email to stuff podcast at howstuffworks.com and as always check us out at our home on the web stuffyoushouldknow.com
0: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows.